love with Jesus this morning? You know, that's not a real manly thing to say sometimes. You ever see, I'm off script already, can you believe it? The first thing out of my mouth. <laughs> but you know, you see these songs and sometimes it's like, Jesus, I'm just in love with you. And, and it almost sounds like I'd be singing it to Karen and just replace the word, which I don't do. She wouldn't like it. You wouldn't, would you? No, you don't sing me love songs, right? You don't really, no, no, right, I know. Sorry, sorry. So, so we do that, and sometimes you're just like, ah, that's not like the most manly thing to say. And, um, you know, I disagree. I think ultimately when it comes down to Jesus, we should fall more in love with him. Because it's not a romantic love. It's not a feeling love. It's a love of thankfulness. It's a love of, of devotion to our Savior. And so I just want to thank you for singing out this morning. I, I sprung two new songs on you, which I try not to do, but I just couldn't help myself. Um, when you get to plan the whole thing, you just kind of do. Thank you for letting, letting, uh, letting our team, it's not just me, lead you in worship. Um, it's, a, it's a blessing. Um, I was talking to the worship leader up at camp, and I actually took a seminar from him and got a bit overwhelmed, but then I just stepped back for a moment, you know, overwhelmed with like how he schedules, how he does everything, but he's a full-time worship guy, and, and got a bit overwhelmed, but then I stopped, and he goes, well, what, what is the culture of your church? I go, you know what, they sing because they love Jesus, and so um, to be known by that is a wonderful thing, and so thank you. I, I hope that the songs that we choose really draw you to recognize who Jesus is, because, you know, that's what it's all about, and that's why we chose as elders to do this short series this summer on who is Jesus, and, and what an important question that is. You know, uh, I was wondering, what would happen if we went out onto the street and did a random survey just to people, whoever we might see, and we asked them, who is Jesus? What do you think we might hear? We might hear teacher, Prophet, a good guy, a magician, a guy who taught love and peace. He was a peaceful preacher. The guy who did miracles. You might get the person who would say he never existed. You might get some people say he was a fraud. You would get a wide variety of answers. So it's important that we as the church especially know who is Jesus. Another thing happens when it comes to Jesus, I think, is, and I'm, I'm kind of a youth group thing I do, but, but I want you to do something for me. I want you to close your eyes, and then on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to do something. Now, you don't have to do it, but I kind of want you to. Close your eyes. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Picture Jesus. What came into your mind? What was there? When I say picture Jesus, who is Jesus? And you close your eyes and I ask you to think right off the bat, who is Jesus? What'd you come up with? I know what I would come up with. I would come up with the picture hanging in my Sunday school room at around second, third, fourth grade with the, with the lamb on his shoulders in the white robes looking really nice, looking kind of strong with the beard and, and in a peaceful pasture, like, kind of like the Lord is my shepherd kind of look. That's what I would come up with. But what did you come up with? Did you come with Jesus from a movie? 
a picture there or a picture that maybe you've seen in a, in a Bible? Did you, how many of you had robes? Come on. Am I, all right, thank you. Good, good. Long brown hair. All right, good, good. How many of you came up with the picture that Pastor Scott spoke on last week out of Revelation? The glory of God, the brightness. Good. See, it's a dangerous thing though sometimes because when we say who is Jesus, oftentimes we just want to make him the hippie Jesus. Or we make him out to be too human, although he was fully human, but at the same time he was fully God. So we must answer who is Jesus. Such an important question because it has serious ramifications in regards to our eternity and how we worship. Who are we worshiping when we sing how great is our God? When we sing Jesus Messiah. So each elder, we've taken a week and we're going to preach on who is Jesus. And I know my prayer as I've been praying through my passage and I've been praying for the others as they've taught is that we will know Jesus better than we did before. And then, as we know him better, it doesn't just become that mere intellectual knowing. You know what I'm talking about? Where you just get some facts? But rather, I hope we know Jesus in such a way that ignites deep within us a thankfulness towards our Savior. And then, when we know Jesus, we will then worship in our words and our actions. I think sometimes in our theological favor, flavor that we are, we sometimes shy away from feelings. But I would say feelings just by themselves may not be very good. It's all feelings, it's all feelings. But when you take the knowledge of who Jesus is, transfer it to your heart where you feel it and you know it, do not your feelings produce actions? So I hope we feel and know deeply who Jesus is, that within our hearts it just wells up a thankfulness. See, we need to know what God says about who he is, not man-centered ideas or definitions. So today we're going to look at a great passage. It's Colossians chapter 1. Please turn there. When we said... We were doing this and talking about this. This passage immediately came to mind. And then I realized, how many weeks do I have to do this? Just one? <laughs> it's tough. It's a lot to do here. So we are not going to get extremely theologically deep, but we will dive into this passage this morning. First, uh, so in Colossians 1, and we'll start at verse 15. And read through verse 20. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross." 
Do you remember a few weeks back? Well, actually, it's more than a few weeks. A while back, I spoke on Jude and the doxology of Jude. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. It's a doxology. Do you remember the definition of doxology? Praise words. Words of praise or early hymns. Most scholars take a look at this Colossians passage and they believe Paul here is quoting an early hymn, especially in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So in our passage, we have a uh, verse 15 is a song of praise. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. I didn't put any notes printed out, which I, I don't think I ever do, um, on the back. But if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you everything ahead of time just for the sake of time, and we may not get to them all. But we have one major point this morning on who is Jesus. Are you ready? Write this down. Point number one. And then after that, we'll have a few subpoints, but they all come under point number one. It's this. Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord. Who is Jesus? Jesus is Lord. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So who is Jesus? Jesus is God. Uncreated. There in eternity. And that makes him Lord of all. We know a lot of passages speak on this. Turn to John chapter 1. We've taught on this before, but it's worth the review. John chapter 1, we'll start at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Sound familiar? I think Paul and John probably spoke together. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And listen, verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the image of God, the image of the invisible God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4 says this, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers 
Now listen, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. If you know Jesus Christ, you have seen God through Jesus Christ. Amazing. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1. Hebrews was written to the Hebrews to tell the Hebrews they shouldn't be Hebrews anymore. And so it starts off the writer right off the bat, hits this and says, I'm going to tell you about how great Jesus is, his supremacy, his preeminence, how good Jesus is, how great he is. And it says this long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Jesus is Lord. Through whom also he created the world. Jesus is God. He's the creator. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification from, for sins, he sat down at the right hand of, of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And so then the writer goes on to say, Jesus is better than angels. Because no one else has been given the rule and the authority that Jesus has. Hebrews, God spoke through us, through his son. Jesus is the heir of all things. And remember in our text, he is the invisible, the image of the invisible God. Verse 3 of Hebrews, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. Verse 4, Jesus is superior to the angels. His name is superior. Verse 8, your throne is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You guys know what a scepter is? It's what the king rules with. It's his mark of authority. 10 through 13, it says this of Jesus. You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make you an enemy, and make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Who is Jesus? He is king, he is Lord. In fact, the news is awful this week for Christians in Iraq, isn't it? And elsewhere in the world, but especially in Iraq, it's horrific. Jesus is king. Those people who are doing that, God the Father promises to his heir, the Son, I will make your enemies a footstool. In Psalm 2, I'm off script, but I can't help myself. Psalm 2, and I'm going to misquote it probably a little bit. We don't have time to turn there. But it says this, let the kings of the earth come and they say, let's make a fool of God. 
right? Let's cast him down. And the God in heaven, do you know what he does? He laughs and says, who are you, old man? I will cast you down. In fact, I'll prove it. I promise the earth and the rulers to my son. And then that verse, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Do we grieve at the horrific things that happen on this earth? We do, but Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. And you know what? Not to sound callous, but we just don't quite get it in America. There are worse things than martyrdom. An eternity without God. And I'm not saying that callous. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters. We need to pray for their strength. But you know what? You try to stamp out Christianity, God laughs. Because what will people die for? If I was dying for something fake and someone was holding a gun to my head and I knew it wasn't true, man, I would renounce that so quick. But hey, hey, I didn't mean that. Back off. But when someone says, no, I will not deny Christ, what a witness. What a witness that that is. Who is Jesus? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Scott talked on that last week. Basically, it means Jesus is king. He is the heir. He is the one with all authority. So Jesus is Lord. Jesus is king. Jesus is to be obeyed. We need to worship and obey. Let's go back to Colossians. We have point number one. Did you all write it down? Jesus is Lord of all. Well, within our text, we have some subpoints. You can call it point A, you could call it point two, however you like to do it. I didn't do real well in that part of English class. Jesus is Lord of all, but Jesus is also, under that, he's Lord of creation. Jesus is Lord of creation. Look at verses 15 through 17. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things were created through him and for him. Jesus is Lord of all creation. When it says Jesus is firstborn, again, Paul is not speaking in terms of physical birth. An early heresy within uh, those early church times was called the Arian heresy, and it stated that Jesus was created rather than existing eternally with God the Father as the Son along with the Holy Spirit, the eternal trinity. And so people would say, oh no, he was created at birth. That's actually still around today, but no, Jesus is eternal, eternal with the Father, and he is the creator. By him, all things were created. And so when it says, again, I want to hit back on firstborn, when it says he is the firstborn of all creation, he is not speaking of a physical birth. What he is speaking here is the blessings and the privileges of an heir or a firstborn son. You see, a people who are ruled by a king, don't they anxiously, or maybe not so anxiously, await an heir to the throne? Oh, there's going to be a... Look at England. They confuse me, I have to admit. What, oh, never mind, I'm going to stop. 
But oh, it's a boy, heir to the throne. I'm like, and he'll do what? I, sorry, did I say, didn't say that? But a people ruled by a king, they await an heir to the throne who will someday inherit the rule of the lamb. Land. In fact, in, in Psalm 89, God is speaking how he loves David. And he speaks of David and says, David is mentioned as the firstborn or the highest of kings. Psalm 89, 27, if you want to write that down and look it up later. But when it says Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, it just says it means he's the ruler of all. He is the highest. Jesus is at the top. Well, we know that, right? And he declares that he is. Verse 16, Jesus is Lord of the creation or all creation. Why? Because he is the creator. Any of you ever create something? Any of you ever create something and then just like destroy it? Thank you, a couple hands. It must be a boy thing, but you know, I have to be like, you know, hey, you're building blocks. Yeah, why are you doing that? So I could tear them down. Like I remember as a five-year-old, be like, in kindergarten class, stay away from the blocks. I got the blocks, they're mine. Well, how come? Because I'm going to tear it down. But I'm going to build it high, tear it down. And I did that for hours. Well, because I was Lord of my creation. Small L. But by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth. All things. Creation in this passage is attributed to Jesus. And in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let us make man in our image. Jesus present at creation as the creator. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth. What you can see, visible, and what you can't see, invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities... All things were created through him and for him. You know, working with youth, I get some good questions. Good questions. Every once in a while. Sometimes I get good questions. Sometimes I get good questions. They don't have a whole lot of fear. And sometimes they're questions that others might be too embarrassed to ask. But guess what one of those questions is? Is there life outside of our planet and galaxy? I don't know. Here's the deal. If there is, that creation is subject to the rule and reign of Jesus. Which I'm not saying there is, okay? So don't, Pastor Ron said there's life outside of, I did not say that. But I want to make a point. When the scripture says all creation is through him and for him, it means all creation. Nothing is left out. So he's the creator of all. He's the Lord of all, the creator of all, visible, what we see, touch, and know, and what we don't see. Things in heaven, things on earth. Whether thrones or kingdoms, rulers, authority, all things were created through him and for him. All of creation is from him and it's for him. The chief end of man is what? To glorify God. And to find your joy in him alone. I paraphrase that. It actually is to enjoy him forever in the Westminster Catechism. But the chief end of man 
is to glorify God and find your joy in him alone. Why? Because Jesus is Lord. He's in charge. He's the boss. He's Lord over his creation. He's Lord. He's the ruler. We have to recognize this truth now. Bow your knee now in submission to the creator. Do not fight the creator. Do not rebel against the creator. Do not place yourself above the creator. It is impossible. But don't we try to do that? I know better. Why are you doing this? Submit and bow your knee to the creator. Philippians 2. We know this verse. Therefore God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is Lord, and Jesus is Lord of creation. Verse 17 of Colossians, back in our text. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is before all things. John 1, 1, right? In, beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We don't have time to turn there, but John eight fifty eight. do you remember? He says this to the scribes and the Pharisees, Truly I say to you, before Abraham was, and then he uses this term, I am. Sound familiar? Moses, burning bush, who are you? I am. God says, I am. A title for God. He shows his eternality, his greatness, that he's above all. And so when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, everyone there knew exactly what he was saying. He's saying, I'm God, and I was there at creation. I am the Lord. How do we know that? Do you remember their reaction? The scribes and the Pharisees, what did they want to do? Stone him. They knew exactly what he said. They said, stone him. Hebrews 1.3, we read it a little bit earlier. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus is Lord of creation. Can you imagine for a moment... If God said, yep, I uphold creation by the word of my power. If he wanted to take a break. If he wanted to go get a cup of coffee. Or say, I'm tired of this. What would happen? Be toast. We'd be dead. All things hold together. In the universe, by the word of his power, Jesus is Lord of creation. Our next point, Jesus is Lord of the church. Verse 18. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be Preeminent. Jesus is Lord of all. He's Lord of all creation. He is Lord of the church. We must submit to the Lord of all. 
He must be first and he must be most precious to us, both as individuals, since he's Lord of creation, but also as a church. As those who claim the name of Christ, as those who are his bride, those who are bought with the blood of Jesus, he is Lord. He's Lord over our preferences. He's Lord over every pastor. He's Lord over every elder, every member, every attendee. And that's good because he's magnificent. He's perfect. He loves us. He's Lord of all. He's Lord over the church. And again, the church is made up of his children who he bought with his precious blood. We're his bride. And we are so foolish to rebel or to fight his lordship in our lives and his lordship over our church. Whose glory and reputation do we care about? Ours? Or the cause of Christ? There is too much care in our individual reputations. It's for Christ's glory that we exist. The decisions we make, the things we do in our lives and in our church must be centered on the glory of Jesus Christ and Him alone. Jesus is the first in all things, He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Scott talked on that last week. First one raised, he's never going to die. Why? That in a couple things he might be first? In a few things he can be preeminent? No. In everything he might be first. He might be preeminent. He is to have the highest place, the highest praise, and the only place of rule and power in our lives and in our church. He is Lord of the church. Verses 19 through 20 He's Lord of salvation. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. He is Lord of salvation. Through the cross, we've been reconciled. You guys know what it means to be reconciled? How many of you like are really, really good at your checkbook? Like the minute you do something, you're like, oh yeah. Maybe you have an app or something. You're like, I'm on it. You know, 10 cents went out. There was a 10 cent ATM charge. I'm taking care of my book. That has to be done right now. And then others of you, like what's a checkbook? You know, I used to get myself in trouble because I would like, get money and then I'd look and I'd go, hey, the checking account says we have money. I'll take a little more. And then I'd hear about it. It may say we have money, but we don't. Anyone ever have that conversation? That's going somewhere. It's spoken for. Oh, I'll go put it back and make the deposit. But any of you ever have something where you wanted your books reconciled and they just wouldn't work and it took hours and you started backtracking and backtracking and backtracking. And the frustration, you're like, this isn't working, it isn't working, it isn't working. And the frustration level. When it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, apart from him, what? We're dead in our trespasses and sins. We were enemies. We were in the domain of darkness. But now through Christ, he's transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. In him, we have redemption. And in him, by the cross, we've been reconciled. We've been made right. We're not off. 
We're not off a penny. We're not off a half cent. We are perfectly reconciled to Christ or to God through Jesus Christ. We've been reconciled. We're not off. You ever look at someone and go, man, they're off. There's something not right. Well, apart from Christ, there's something not right. And we're off. We're deadly off. We're completely off. We're not even close. We are way overdrawn and piling up, as it says in Romans, wrath. Through Christ, we've been reconciled. And now our account, paid in full by the blood of Christ, and we're storing up what? Treasures in heaven. Through Christ. We have an eternity with Christ. We've been reconciled. We're not off. We're on track through Jesus. Jesus loves us. We have peace with God. Jesus saves. Jesus died for us. He lives in us. He brings reconciliation. He brings forgiveness. He brings healing. He brings life. Jesus is Lord of salvation. Well, I wanted to end a hint early. Because I want to close in worship of Jesus. We always do one song. And sometimes I feel... Well, I don't know, it doesn't matter how I feel. But it's like, oh, we've got to get the last song in. And we're ready to go get hot dogs or tacos or whatever it might be. And that's not bad. That's good. Yeah, so if worship team, you want to start coming on up. We're going to sing a few songs that we already sang. And then one new one. But focus on Jesus. He's Lord of all. Lord of all. He's Lord of the church. He's Lord of creation. He's Lord of our salvation. Isn't that good? So let's close in prayer. And by the way, if in case you're one of those out there saying, you know, that was a meaty passage, and man, he just really didn't dive into it a whole lot. I know. I know. This, I mean, this is just huge. You know what I hope? I hope you go home this week and dive into it. Look further. Find the wonders of Christ in the Bible. Because that's what the Bible's about. What I wanted to accomplish today was exactly what I believe the Spirit led on my heart. Let's see who Jesus is in this passage. He's Lord of all. He's Lord of creation. So we don't need to worry about our world, do we? He's Lord of our church. We don't have to worry about our church because it's his. He's Lord of our salvation. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And what was the last one? Lord of salvation? I don't know. I'm tired. But I'm happy too. And it's been good to open God's word with you this morning. So let's close in song. Let's pray. And then are you ready to sing out to Jesus, to our Lord? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for 
your lordship, that you're king. Father, I thank you that you're a king that we could approach boldly going to the throne of God because of Jesus. Lord, thank you that you are the one in control. What peace that brings. Lord, I thank you that your word says you are the blessed controller of all things. Lord, I thank you that you're the creator of all. Lord, we look forward to the day when you create a new heaven and a new earth where we live with you for all eternity in your presence, never to hunger, never to thirst, never to cry, but to be with you in all your glory, changed and made new through Jesus Christ. Father, now as we sing to you, may your lordship and your greatness be on our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.